Welcome to episode number six of It Takes Two to Tango, Conversations That Move Us. I'm Nat. And I'm Martina. And together we are two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. And in this series, we invite you into a metaphorical dance. It basically is a conversation about how to partner with life in a more meaningful way. Yeah, we're going to translate some of the concepts that we've learned from Argentine tango and ballroom dancing off the dance floor so that you can experience the kind of bliss that we experience in partner dancing in your life and leadership. So shall we dance? I would be delighted. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today's topic is moving at heart's pace. And that's without a pacemaker, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the funny thing that both came to our minds, right? When we when we talked about moving at a heart's pace, we started thinking about pacemakers. But essentially, what we're talking about today is following our own rhythm, honoring our own pace. Uh, and for instance, on the dance floor, it might look like... Uh, leading what you're feeling moved to lead versus looking at someone else and saying, oh, wait, they're doing all this cool stuff. Maybe I'm going to try to mimic them, but then losing our own connection in the process. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, a good leader will always match the pace of their follower, right? Because as the leader, you know, you can feel, you can sense whether I'm, you know, a skilled dancer or a beginner. And I've danced before with leaders who were way more advanced. And so they are leading all these things that stumped me where I had no idea what to do or how to respond. And at the same time, now that I am more skillful, I love dancing with leaders who dance very simple things, you know, according to their own pace and may just be walking and and give me some time to adjust to their leading style, so. Yeah, I really like what you shared there, Martina, because I think we do need to listen better, uh, not only for ourselves, but for our partners and uh, on the floor as well as off the dance floor. I think that it could really be beneficial because we're so conditioned to, and we talked about this in previous episodes about performance, right? We're conditioned to perform and performing by itself isn't so great it, with, you know, without that connection. Yeah, you might be miles ahead in conversation and, uh, you know, especially I think in a group setting that sometimes happens that you have some people talking and there are no pauses for the quieter people to actually insert themselves or add something to it. And some people outpace each other. And when you actually observe what's going on, there is a, is a loss of connection. And ultimately, just the two or three extroverts in the room end up dominating the conversation and they are ahead of everybody else. And you see some people just kind of glaze over and check it out because you long lost them, right? 
So I think pacing in conversation is um, and consciously pacing conversation, not as a willing to move a conversation forward or looking for the next thing to say or looking for the next thing to reply, but to allow a pause every now and then to give another person a chance to chime in or collect a thought before going on. Yeah, just like in this interview here, this conversation we're having, uh, I, I can, I am conscious of being really present with you and listening. And then in that pause, allowing what I want to say next, or maybe something drops in for me to say as you're talking, uh, versus there can be a fear sometimes of like, I don't want to look stupid. Um, you know, I need to be on top of this here. And then what happens is that as you're talking, my mind might be going, what do I say next? What am I going to say? Right. And then being so disconnected, not only from myself, but from you, that the flow of the conversation doesn't flow anyway. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of conversations, and I think in our earlier episodes, we did that every now and then where we talk over each other or we interrupt. And I find that Zoom has actually been really helpful with that because it only allows the, the voice of one person to come through. And sometimes there's a little bit of a delay. So I find that in a lot of conversations in, in some of the groups that I've been leading, everything has calmed down a little bit because Zoom has forced us to actually make a pause and respect for our voice to translate through cyberspace and arrive in South Africa or in Dubai or wherever we might be. And uh, so it's taught a lot of people uh, subconsciously to pause and allow for that delay to happen. And, you know, when I translate that on the dance floor, I really love leaders who respect the pause. Because when they pause, it gives a moment to recollect literally and physically in the embrace and on the dance floor. And it gives me as the follower an opportunity to do some playful movements with my legs that if you're just, you know, plowing through with your own agenda, I don't get a chance to actually dive into some of those deeper skill sets. Yeah, that's, that's interesting you say that because that was my thought of my own evolution in dance where initially uh, I would be so focused on, okay, these are the steps you do and, and you do it to every beat. And uh, I'm, the more experienced, the more in touch I am with the moment, the more that I can pay attention to the music, what the music is calling within me and allow for those pauses um, it's not perfect when I'm practicing with my wife, oftentimes just say, oh, I need more time here. Uh, Cause you're, 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 you know, you're already on to the next movement and I needed time to unwind. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gives, gives a little bit more of, um, of a dialogue, right? And mm -hmm. I think the same is true in conversations that when we allow that pause, it gets more meaningful what the other person can respond rather than plowing through our own agenda. And then I do, and then I want, and here I go anticipating what you're going to say next. 
So I'm not even listening in the interlude. I'm just compiling my own thoughts. Yeah. Why do you think... Why do you think that we fall into that habit of just doing without connecting and listening? You know, it can be some deep-seated beliefs that we're not aware of, right? Where I make assumptions about who I am uh, in relationship to you and who I assume you are in relationship to me. So, for example, you know, if I'm somebody who deep down within me believes that I'm all alone, I might organize my life to actually be self-sufficient. And I might even go so far as to doing relationship alone. Right. Hmm. So then when I'm dancing or when I'm conversing, I'm not even fully aware that you are there. I'm not including you in my awareness because my belief precludes that from happening. Mm -hmm. Or as another idea, you know, to contrast that is I think many people that that I work with have a deep seated belief of I'm not enough. So if I deep down believe that I'm not enough, then I might also assume that about other people or that other people think I need to try harder, right? And so when I'm in this habit of trying harder, I will talk over you. I will show that I'm an expert, that I know things. I will not leave many gaps because in those gaps, you could actually prove for me that I'm right. I'm not enough because you're just now correcting me and you're bringing another point of view and devaluing my opinion. So, oh my God, it is true. I'm all alone. I'm not enough. Nobody wants me. And here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> I know for me, um, the not enough comes up in me sometimes and, um, and my way of protecting myself is to try to make things perfect and, you know, exact, precise. And uh, it's really fascinating when, when I, when I'm dancing and when I'm in that mode, it's not a good dance. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in my head. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, and it's just, it's not, I'm not connected really on any level. Uh, and it's only when I get out of my head, it seems like that's where the perfectionist comes from. It's like the safety zone is in my head thinking, trying to plan. And, and uh, so, so that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, so why, why is this important that we're talking about our heart's pace? Well, there's a, there's a couple things that come to my mind. Uh, one of them is, you know, when I look at, at Tango, for example, right? In Tango, when you and I agree to dance, we are agreeing to dance for four dances usually of a traditional tango, or it might be three waltzes or three milongas. And let's say we don't know each other or we haven't danced together today yet. So the first dance ideally is a dance where we attune to one another, right? So if you as a leader pace it, you're gonna just kind of feel out, okay, who is this 
woman and what's her skill level and how do we match and how do we breathe and move together and then in the second dance you get a little bolder and you lead some things you know maybe some turns and oh that went well and so then in the third dance you get even more into the music and because by now you kind of feel my responses and you've learned oh she likes to play so I get to pause and I dance the violin and Martina gets to dance the bandoneon or maybe she'll dance the piano in this next phrase that I know that I love and yes she did okay great and the fourth dance then culminates in where we really flow and we move together and we figured each other out and so I think in relationships it's very sim similar that uh, when we pace a relationship and actually become deeply curious about what resonates, how do we attune with each other on an energetic level, on a heart level, then a relationship has a potential to grow deeper. And when a misattunement comes, you know, that we, you and I don't see eye to eye or we disagree about an opinion or about a belief or about a situation in life, we will find our way back better because we have allowed this deepening and we have allowed this context of our relationship to evolve into something that makes sense, right? And that has room to grow and has room to grow somewhere. So that's a long, long answer for why that I see where our heart space really comes in. Yeah, and, and that can that framework, if you will, uh, works not only in relationships or in a, a partner relationship as a dance, but also in our relationship with ourselves, in our relationship with our businesses, in our relationship with clients, uh, in our relationship with the universe, right? Where uh, so often in our world, we're thrown into this is how life should be. And this is how life works and you need to fit into it. And so in a sense, we're thrown already into phase three or four and we don't really feel ourselves. And moving at heart's pace really requires us to come back to phase one and feel, connect to ourselves and listen and follow our kind of inner nudges or inspirations to discover what makes us us right like i was in a conversation the other day um and they were talking about uh having a life that fits you like um you know a a nat shaped life or a martina shaped life right so if we come back to that first phase or first two phases where we're starting to uh, get in touch with what makes us us, then we can connect with others and kind of shape this relationship, bringing in both our shapes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and finding the connection points. And then we can grow from there um, to, to develop a really meaningful relationship of one of connection and trust and respect. But we can't have that if we dishonor ourselves from the beginning. Yeah, and we can create 
safety for each other if we don't know how to create safety for our own heart, right, or for our mm-hmm. own body. So that gets into a question I get a lot from clients is, you know, how do I learn to set boundaries, right? And uh, we, one of the ways you set boundaries or that, that people think what boundaries means is it's a wall that I keep things out and I need to learn how to say no. And, you know, you can do that. But for me, boundaries also are the container of who you are. So how do I know how to contain that beautiful self that is within me and that heart and what I have to give, what I want to share, what I have to contribute, right? If I know what that is and if I know how to move at my own pace, then the boundary of that is what you see. So you, that is actually information for you to know who I am, what I value and what I don't value. And so we can find that common ground to converse on, to relate on, to dance on, or to work on in a work environment or in a leadership situation. Yeah, that's really beautiful, Martina. There is a, I don't know what the right word is, but I can, I can subtly sense this energy that emanates that when we are being ourselves and we know who that is, that there is this energy that radiates from us and that naturally can create the boundaries that we need. And, and like you're saying, it's not a wall. Um, we often put up walls because we don't want to be hurt again, but the walls keep out everything, right? The, the, yeah. the walls um, don't just prevent us from being hurt, but it also prevents love from coming in. And it walls us in. And walls so us when in. When I wall you out, I also wall myself in. Hmm. So having something that's more permeable on my terms, right? Plus, I love what you said about that you can actually feel that energy emanate. There have been studies that you can actually measure that, right? Like my heartbeat has... a frequency that you can measure about six feet away so there is an electromagnetic signal that comes out that you that is palpable and um, you know I look at boundaries as knowing where I end and where you begin and then how far do I allow this energy to merge and even in tango I think it uh, informs on what kind of an embrace I enjoy right? Like I might enjoy a close embrace, especially right now in the times of COVID with a mask, where I know I go into the embrace very quickly and then breathe over your shoulder. (laughs) Um, Rather than sharing breathing space right now, if I don't know your lifestyle as well, as I do know mine. Um, And yet, you know, in, in normal times, there's also some leaders that I enjoy a more open embrace, right? Where I don't enjoy that closeness, not necessarily because I don't like them, but because there's a different energy, you know, maybe I want to play rather than hug, or maybe the music invites me to just create that distance. Plus I can see, you know, what you're doing and (laughs) observe in a different way. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, one more thing that comes to my mind and that is, That is context of relationships, right? On a dance floor, it's easy to see we have 
the style of music that gives context. Uh, we might dance differently to a lyrical De Sarli piece than, than we do to a dramatic Pugliese or very rhythmic D'Arienzo music. And when I look at other relationships, you know, if I know this is a close friendship or another friendship is more of a um, exercise buddy or it's a professional relationship, the context is different. And so my energy and my pacing of conversations might be different in those in those different contexts. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about musicality, uh, that's what I think about there, where, uh, like you said, one song might feel more playful, another song um, might feel more dramatic, more power, uh, more um, clarity even, or like a staccato movement. So, um, so music calls us to move a certain way, just like life calls us to move a certain way. And the beauty of music is that there are many styles within, even within tango music, right? Like we just talked about. And the same is true in life where we can't go through life always uh, like full steam ahead, right? We, we can't, or also we can't go through life where it's very lazy and slow. There are times that life is calling us to show up in different ways. And, and the more that we honor that flow, that ebb and flow, the more um, in tune and um, vibrant that we can feel. Mm, I love that. Who wouldn't love a vibrant life, right? So what comes to your mind on how we can do this? You know, what, what are some things that you do to honor your own pace or your own heart? Yeah, um, for me, there are things that are natural for me. So what's natural for me is quiet space and stillness and, um, you know, being in emptiness that that for me is more natural and and more familiar so um that part is is easier um but what also i i've been doing is engaging in more rigorous like exercise and while in that intensity of exercise i'm very conscious of my breathing i'm very conscious of my body alignment um so that i'm still moving at my pace, right? The pace of uh, in, in alignment with what works for me. I'm not, I'm pushing, but I'm not uh, like going beyond my capacity. I understand that just like your four phases of the Tanda, it, you know, I know that I'll need to ramp up even within a session, right? There's the warm up, and then you're you know, maybe some opening exercises and then you, you get, get into more of the intensity and then you have the cool down, mm -hmm. right? So the same thing can show up in, um, in, in the different ways that we show, you know, show up in life. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So one of the tools that I use is uh, I call that notice what you notice. 
right? Because we can notice what I can notice what I'm noticing. Like I'm noticing I'm sitting here and I notice my posture and I can notice where my head is and I can notice how I feel right now. And the really cool thing is I can notice that I'm noticing. So when there's something that's uncomfortable, I can notice that it's not all of me that's uncomfortable. It's part of me that's uncomfortable. And that's actually a really great tool in conversations, right? And if I'm upset with you and I'm telling myself a story about what you did to me, I can notice what I'm noticing and I can say to you, part of me is upset with you. Or part of me is assuming that you're a mean man, which is not my experience of you, but just as an, as an example. So I think noticing what I notice and in tango that, you know, I love that moment when you first step into an embrace and there is this pause before we start dancing. So we connect in our hands, we connect in our embrace. We literally breathe each other in and we notice what we notice about each other and the music and the dance floor. And I've learned to, to make room in my life for those moments, to take in these Kodak moments and these moments, you know, like where I tune in like, what would I love right now? And even for small decisions like would I love a cup of coffee or a water uh, what would I love to eat? You know, what would my body really love right now? Um, I notice that I make different choices, and you may have noticed even my voice drops. It gets calmer and more vibrant, right? And I notice what I notice. Yeah, that's beautiful, Martina. So we are at the end of our conversation today. It will continue on in the next one. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. What ahas, what insights did you get from listening today? How can you connect more deeply to yourself and follow your own heart's pace? Uh, please share with us on the Facebook page. Yes, so thank you for dancing with us today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in with your hearts. And remember, it takes two to tango and to create conversations that really move us and that move our hearts in our own pace. Until next time, this is Martina. And I'm Nat. And we are two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now.